Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. He is Drew Dinsink, the whale capper, and I'm Sarah Perlman. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to get into some NHL, as Matt Bernier is back with us this week. Huge slate, 13 NHL games tonight, and he has circled some plus money winners that you definitely want to hear about. And we know it's not Friday. It's Tuesday, which actually means it's Thor's Day during the college bowl season. Thor Nystrom is going to join us and set the stage this week using his adjusted Thor line. And of course, stick around until the very end of the show to hear our biggest edge of the day. But Drew, let's begin in the NFL. Last night, the win for the Los Angeles Rams shifted prices just a little bit over at points that I look at the NFC and right now it's Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Arizona now four to one, or excuse me, they were four to one last night, now plus 450 and the Rams sitting at plus 550 prior to last night's win, they were plus 650. And we can go down the line and look at some bigger numbers in the NFC. But as we try to handicap and, and sift through this crowded top NFC rather, what kind of stands out to you right now? <sighs> This is a tough one. Uh, honestly, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been my my guys in the NFC for the last few months. And I you've had continue. a ticket on them for quite a while. Just got to ride, continue to ride that. Although uh, right now it does look fairly likely that Green Bay is going to sneak the one seed, get the coveted mm-hmm. buy, and force the NFL playoff path through Green Bay, which, as we've talked about a couple of times on this show, is important for their hopes because all of these are warm-weather teams. And outside of San Francisco, I'm not sure that there is a team in the mix for the playoffs that is rostered to be able to go into Green Bay and really kind of dictate the style of play and really kind of keep uh, Aaron Rodgers um, you know, on the sidelines there. But uh, Tampa Bay obviously did a great job of that last year in the NFC title game. And on you step back and look at this board. Uh, and look at the schedules remaining. Look at how well Tampa Bay is playing. They're getting healthier. You know, I can't help but think that this is going to be a rerun here of Tampa Bay heading into Green Bay for the NFC title game. I'm and I was fucking, asking you before yeah. we jumped on air, I'm like, what would that spread be? And we'll have to ask Jay. Oh, coming great on. question. So last year, curious. let's remember last year was it opened Green Bay minus three. It got bet out to about three and a half. And uh, if you remember the game itself, it was Tampa Bay one-way traffic. They uh, obviously got that really huge score at the end of the first half that put them up comfortably. They get a huge fumble of Aaron Jones in the, to start the second half that uh, really helped them put that game away. They needed some help from Matt LaFleur's decision-making at the end of the game to secure the win. But uh, you know, Tampa Bay handled Green Bay comfortably, I think, 
really twice last season in the regular season and in the playoffs. Uh, they're rostered well to uh, mm-hmm. go head to head with that team. Um, Arizona, I'm okay ruling out, not just because Kyler Murray has yet to play a playoff game, but uh, this is a team that's really getting it done offensively with a lot of lucky stuff. They're recovering all their fumbles. That's not going to last forever. They're converting third downs at a rate that is well over expectation considering the plays that they're running. That's not going to last forever. Their red zone uh, success is somewhat fluky as well. So all three kind of lucky categories in my mind for an offense are going to regress. Uh, and Arizona is going to be a fun team to try to bet against in the playoffs. Let's just hope my nightmare scenario as a player who went to war with the San Francisco 49ers twice this year against the Cardinals is that our three, six matchup is going to be Cardinals Niners again. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to bet San Francisco again and hope that this time it's different. It's, it's due to flip. Of course, the third time is the luckiest time. Drew, I can't focus on anything but what the heck is on your microphone? Can you please tell me what that cute creature is going on on your microphone and why I don't have one? It's my Santa koala. We got it from uh, the party we were at on Sunday that had uh, all the uh, all the fun cocktails. So okay, I'm We can go back to the NFL, but I was staring at that. That's why we <laughs> you off on our YouTube channel and not yeah. just listen. Yeah, okay. okay. So let's take a big picture NFC. Yes. Green Bay's your one. Tampa is your two. Tampa's gonna Tampa's probably gonna draw Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia steals the seven. So Tampa Philly is your two seven. Tampa advances. Your three six is gonna be Arizona San Francisco. I like the Niners in that yes. spot. And your four five is gonna be Dallas Rams. Who do you like between Dallas and the Rams? I think just because of yesterday's performance, and I liked Dallas and I was willing to back them for quite some time. I have a ticket on Dallas. I would probably take the Rams in that one. I think their defense is kind of coming into form just a little bit, and that's going to matter down the stretch. I would probably take the Rams in that game. And plus 550, I'm not rushing to the window now to take the Rams to win the NFC, but I think the matchup between the Rams and Dallas, I lean towards the Los Angeles Rams. What about you? Well, Aaron Donald certainly looked like the best player in football last night. Hands down. <laughs> if he Reset? plays that, if he continues to play that way through these winter months, then that's going to be gonna a be bad, tough. bad matchup for Dallas. But uh, you know that. What's fascinating I, for me, though, yeah. Drew, really quick, I'm just going to mm-hmm. look through. I was taking a look at the early schedules for the Green Bay Packers. They have the Ravens, Browns, Vikings, Lions left remaining. Then I look at, excuse me, the uh, yeah, the Packers. Then I look at the Bucks, who are coming up against the Saints, who seem to give them some trouble this season. Yeah. Saints, Panthers, Jets. Panthers um, <laughs> does seem like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a little bit of a better schedule heading into the end of the season. It surely does. Uh, realistically, there are some landmines in there for Green Bay. They could stumble, but uh, realistically, I think Tampa Bay, yeah. Green Bay, they win out. We like Tampa Bay. We like Green Bay. You're ruling out Arizona. I do side with you on that. The Rams, I like them probably in their future matchup. And it seems like you have a little bit of love for San Francisco. Sitting yeah. 18 to one. Yeah, I think San Francisco, again, beat, let's say that Tampa wins. Let's say that the Niners get an upset over Arizona. Let's say your Rams uh, take down your Cowboys. That would set us up for sending San Francisco to Green Bay. I kind of like them in that matchup. Again, like it's not like don't, like don't love, um, but San Francisco matches up fairly well against Green Bay. That was a very close matchup. We saw them play week three. It came down to Aaron Rodgers making some miracle passes uh, in the last 30 seconds of that game to get the field goal attempt that put them uh, in the winner's circle against the, the Niners uh, in San Francisco. So another San Francisco-Green Bay matchup would be classic. And uh, I feel like that's what we're set up for round two of the playoffs. And then Tampa Bay, I would guess gets revenge against the Rams if that's our two versus five in round two of the playoffs. 
We're going to have to break down the AFC. I know we did a little bit last week, but later in the week, because the playoffs are kind of shaping up to be spectacular. By the way, if you want to talk about two really bad teams eliminated already, I'm going to go through them in the edge of the day. So you definitely want to stick around for that. Um, We are headed down the backstretch of the NFL season. The NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We are giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play. So predict what will happen between the Saints and Bucks for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Also, if you can predict what's going to happen between the Saints and Bucks, and you probably can better than me because I can't figure out that line for this week. Honestly, send me a DM because I'm curious to get everyone's thoughts on that game. Let's talk a little NHL, though. Take a step back from the NFL. We'll head there back there just a little bit. We welcome in Matt Bernier. And Matt, I saw the Anaheim Ducks aren't playing till tomorrow, (laughs) so I was a little upset this morning when I looked at the slate and the docket and the games you circled. But nonetheless, you've certainly found um, some interesting games to take a look at. So thanks for taking the time. And I'm going to start with the Maple Leafs. And they are playing the Oilers. I started looking through the Maple Leafs and how they've been playing as of late. This team offensively has been putting up a lot of goals. They look so solid taking on this Oilers team who a little bit lackluster in that area of their game, playing up to a lot of unders, obviously have not been able to show their offensive dominance over their last four games or so. So I look at the Maple Leafs minus 121 on the money line playing the Oilers plus 100. Obviously, they play each other tough. How are you handicapping this game tonight? Yeah, it's really interesting because to your point, Toronto, they've been scoring goals in bunches, but they've also gotten a little bit loose defensively. They've given up a number of goals in their past five games. Uh, They've given up at least three goals in each of the last six, at least four in their last five. So you would think that that's going to play right into the hands of an Edmonton Oilers team that's predicated on offense and outscoring their opposition. The problem is, for whatever reason, they've just gone dry as far as goal scoring is concerned. Connor McDavid has one goal in his last five games overall. Edmonton has scored eight goals in their last five games. No one's surprised. They've lost all five of them. So it's a little bit of a tough read here. You would think Edmonton's due to snap out of this cold spell, but I have more faith in Jack Campbell, the Maple Leafs goaltender, than I do either Miko Koskinen or Stuart Skinner for Edmonton. I just think this is one of those opportunities where Toronto, you could make a case the way they've played over the past two to three weeks. They may be the best team in the NHL. We know from a talent standpoint, They've got it in spades, even without someone like Mitch Marner, who's going to be sidelined for quite a while. I just think minus one and a half at plus 180 with the way that the Oilers have been going. I just think it's a a price that you have to at least give consideration to. I don't personally like laying 121 to win 100 on the money line side of things. I do think Toronto can cover that puck line and plus 180 is obviously a much better price. Okay, I dig it. Uh, it's the regular season, not the playoffs, so I don't mind getting involved with Toronto Maple Leafs whatsoever. Let's go. <laughs> let's go, Toronto. Curious your thoughts here on another dog that popped here. Uh, the St. Louis Blues taking on the Dallas Stars uh, is an interesting matchup in a lot of ways. Uh, St. Louis Blues obviously haven't necessarily lived up to the Stanley Cup winning team from a couple of seasons ago but all the same uh, they were not expected to do especially well this year and they currently stand in third place in the central uh, this is a team that feels like it's coming on a little bit but the market is somewhat slow to get it get behind them they are plus 140 right now on the money line against the Dallas Stars tonight is there a case here for the dog yeah so it's an interesting game overall because to your point Drew you, you take a look at the Blues veteran laden team felt like this year was sort of the last dance we're going to make one last-ditch effort to try to win a cup. Unfortunately for them, 
They're really banged up coming into this game. They're going to be without Braden Shen, James Neal, David Perron. Each of their top two goaltenders are sidelined. So they've got a number of things going against them tonight in Dallas. The reason I actually like St. Louis because Dallas has their own injury concerns. They're going to be without Ropa Hints. They're going to be without Alexander Radulov and Luke Glendening, just to name a few. There's actually some other folks that could potentially miss the game as well. And with the form that each of these teams has been in recently, Dallas has dropped three straight after they won seven consecutive. They look like a juggernaut for a bit. And then they really, they dropped the ball in Vegas. They had a two-goal lead in the third period. I know because I bet them puck line that night. It was their first puck line. And they ended up giving up three third-period goals to lose five to four. They've then gone on to lose two more games in a row. The Blues, I think, the way that they've played recently, they just had a three-game winning streak snapped on Sunday afternoon. I think this is just a, a prime case of two teams, despite the fact that they're both going to be playing with less than full hands, I think you look at St. Louis, they're just in better form over these past few games than Dallas is. And if you're going to give me plus 140 on the money line, I think I just have to side that way. So I'm going to go with St. Louis tonight. Yeah, just because they lost their last time out against the Mighty Ducks uh, does not mean we are Everyone's ready to... Everyone's favorite uh, at Anaheim. Yeah, we're, we're not ready to to give up on the Blues. That's a great look. I'm going to get get involved with the Blues here. I have to purchase an Anaheim Ducks hat or jersey and quick. <laughs> I live close to here. It's now my favorite team because of you. So after the show ends, I'm certainly going on my dear friend Amazon and uh, purchasing something for the Anaheim Ducks. Okay, I'm a little upset because no one that follows hockey, hence you, Matt, and probably you, Drew, you follow every sport um, perfectly. Now... The Canucks, they're looking to make it five straight wins. Why did no one tell me to just keep betting them money line over the last week or so? They have been lights out. And now tonight, they're minus 145 to make it five straight wins. Excuse me, one four in a row. So I look at the Blue Jackets plus 125. Is it now a good time to fade the Canucks? Or should we keep kind of riding this trend where they've had a really consecutive nice wins in a row here? Yeah, I'm not going to argue with anybody that looks at Vancouver and says they're they're just playing good hockey. They've won six of seven. The wins have come over teams like Carolina, Winnipeg, Boston. It's not like they've been beaten up on cupcakes. But at the same time, I think this number, the reason that the prices are what they are, it has more to do with people looking at Columbus saying, well, they haven't been playing very well. They've gone two and six in their last eight. They've actually played better than that record would suggest. Four of those losses included two to one loss to, to Anaheim. 5-4 to four to Toronto, 3-1 to one to Washington, and 3-2 to two to Dallas. So four of those six losses could have easily gone the other way. And I think people are getting too stuck into. I know we talked about form just a moment ago with that Blues-Stars game. Just because Vancouver's playing very well, the record would make it look like Columbus is kind of faltering coming into tonight's game. But in reality, that's not the case. I don't think these teams are that far apart. In fact, I think Columbus is a better team than Vancouver is. So... Mm-hmm. While I'm I'm not going to argue with anybody that wants to continue to ride the hot hand with the Canucks, I, I just look at it and think Vancouver overall isn't quite as good I miss as the Columbus. hot hand, so I'm all for going to the Blue Jackets now. <laughs> I can I mean, block my I, table at the wrong time, Drew. I just think it's one of those things where Columbus is a better team, and you're going to give me plus 125 odds on the road. Merzlikens has had his ups and downs this year when he's been good. He's been very good when he's been bad. He's been god-awful. Your guess is as good as mine what version we're going to get tonight. But based on the price and we're just playing the numbers, Columbus shouldn't be this big an underdog in a game like this. Okay, so Blues, Blue Jackets. It's Blues Day. I get it. Um, Curious your thoughts on what's going on in Seattle. Obviously, there are a handful of teams in the Eastern Conference who you can say we know are not good. 
Uh, Western Conference is a little tougher. Really, only the Arizona Coyotes stand out as a very poor team. Seattle Kraken right now with only 21 points to their name. Goal differential is not quite as bad as their win-loss record would suggest. However, Kraken now have a very, very difficult two-game stretch. They play the Sharks tonight, and then they turn around, and again, they get the Mighty Ducks tomorrow. What do you think about uh, kind of some way to attack this Kraken team that just doesn't look like they have the mojo that uh, the last expansion team did in their first year in the NHL? Seattle's biggest problem this year has been when they lose, they then go on to lose multiple games in a row. They've had three separate three-game losing streaks, including one that I believe is a six-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. You go through, take a look at Edge Finder over on NBCSportsEdge.com. 6-11, minus 4.7 units this year following a loss this season are the Seattle Kraken. 10 of the 11 losses came by at least two goals. And when I factor that in taking a look at the money line that's available for the Sharks, didn't really love that price, but San Jose minus one and a half is sitting at plus 170 right now. And you've got James Reimer who's going to get the call tonight in net. He's had a fantastic season. He's got a sub two goals against average. You take that into consideration along with that number that we just laid out. When Seattle loses, they typically lose in a pretty major way and consecutively. I just think this is a nice opportunity to take a look at a Sharks team that's probably not stellar. They're kind of middle of the road, a 500 team more or less, but I think they deserve to be a pretty heavy favorite in this game tonight against the Kraken. Seattle had a nice little run at the end of November. I think they've come back down to earth. This is actually what they are, unfortunately. But again, they're an expansion team. You expect them to go through some growing pains. No Yanni Gord tonight. Uh, I think the Sharks get the job done. I think they cover the puck line. Yeah, I think people see this three-game losing streak and like you are rushing to the Sharks. Uh, over at points bet, they're taking most of the money. 57% of the handle coming in on the Sharks on that puck line, sitting in a nice juicy price of plus 170. Matt, you always come on and give us really nice plus money wagers, so I appreciate that. Thank you for all your insight. Matt's on Twitter, at Vernier underscore Matt. Uh, not only does he handicap the NHL like today, he breaks down the NFL horse racing and also Premier League. It's all on NBCSportsEdge.com. We'll talk to you soon, Matt. See you guys. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Give the gift of NBC Sports Edge Plus this holiday season. Get 15% off annual subscriptions when you use the code HOLIDAY15 at checkout. This offer turns to Cole on December 31st. So visit NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus today. I don't know who writes the promos for these holiday promos or any of them. They're incredible. Whoever thought this offer turns to Cole, brilliant. I wish I had that thought to kind of think it through, but it does. Seriously, use holiday 15 at checkout, especially so you can not only see a lot of Matt's work, use our edge finder, but also check out Thor Nystrom's adjusted Thor line, which is available now where he breaks down all the college football bowl games. And of course shows his number and his model. 
Thor, thanks for taking the time jumping on today. You came on last week. You talked about some favorites you liked. Uh, you had Toledo laying a big number in the Bahamas Bowl, and I know you like Coastal Carolina, also a big favorite in the Cure Bowl. So we're going to go through some more games today as we're in bowl season and getting ready for another uh, big weekend here. And it's the Boca Raton Bowl. That's the first one I want to start with, where Western Kentucky plus three versus at state. You know, I went today to kind of see where the lines are across the board at points bet and other books. And I've seen a lot of push pull kind of coming in on this game, getting to two and a half, going back up to three, showing some three and a half. So I'm now curious to kind of look to see how you're attacking this game because your adjusted Thor line, which I care the most about, has Western Kentucky favored by one. So certainly getting a good price here with points bet hanging the Western Kentucky plus three. What's the reasoning behind, I guess, the kind of discretion we're seeing here between the Thor line and what's available over at points bet? I think people were waiting to see what Western Kentucky was going to have on the field for that game. It looks like Bailey Zappi, their star quarterback, is going to play. So that's a positive. They had a, uh, several coaches that left as well. But one of them, the biggest one, is going to stay. That's Zach Kitley, their offensive coordinator. He After this game, he's going to Texas Tech. He's going to be uh, Joey McGuire's first offensive coordinator. But he is sticking around for this game to call plays which is good because their their other co-offensive coordinator, he already left to go to Georgia Southern with uh, Tyson Helton's brother, Clay. So those those guys will be there. Not only them, but uh, Western Kentucky had a couple of uh, good players, Mitchell Tinsley, their wide receiver too, and one of their best offensive linemen, Mason Brooks, who's an all-conference USA player. They, they're both entering the transfer portal, but they're also going to play in this game. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, Appalachian State, their best receiver, Corey Sutton, the Kansas State transfer, he is out. He, he's injured. Um, he had 24 more targets and 10 more catches than Appalachian State's next highest receiver. I think that's a pretty big injury and a pretty big absence here because Appalachian State this year, you think of them in the past, they're this downhill running, run dominant team. Um, they always have the good defense. And they do have the good defense again this season, but their running game is way down this year. They are a pass first team. The Mountaineers rank number seven in pass success rate this season on offense. They rank number 68 in rushing success rate against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has one of the worst run defenses of the entire nation. So you would prefer to be a better running team than a, than a, than a passing team there. When mm -hmm. Appy stepped up in competition, they struggled this year. They only played five teams that I rank in the top 78, lost three of those games. The two that they won were a combined four points. I, I like Western Kentucky to win this game. I'll ride with you there. Western Kentucky has been good to me this season. Uh, one more, one more winner. Why not? Let's get it done. Saturday, December 18th is the independence bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, Sarah, did you know the independence bowl is called the independence bowl because it was enshrined in 1976, the year of the bicentennial uh, of the United States of America. Um, no, I did not know that. <laughs> this year's did you know that this year's title sponsor is Radiance Technologies? I don't know what Radiance Technologies does, but the fact that they can afford also a, did a not bowl know sponsorship that. Is, is pretty impressive. Now, that's about all I can tell you about the Independence Bowl because I don't have any read on either UAB or BYU. What do you make of this one, Thor? And is there a bet to be made on Saturday's Independence Bowl? I think there is. I'm going to be on the underdog UAB. When this line opened, it was BYU minus eight. And the line is curiously dropped down to now it, Now it's UAB plus six and a half. That's even despite the fact that UAB is without their starting running back, Dwayne McBride, who almost had 1,200 yards this year on almost seven yards per carry. 
the backup Jermaine Brown, he's as good outside the tackles as McBride. Where he's a downgrade is inside the tackles. But the the quarterback that they brought in for Tyler Johnson, Ty, Tyler Johnson, the former guy, he he's in the the transfer portal. Um, this Hopkins kid, Dylan Hopkins, that UAB is starting, he's a better scrambler than Johnston was. So I think you're going to see UAB change their offensive strategy a bit. You're used to them in the past um, watching a big back like Spencer Spencer Brown just hammer inside in the tackles. McBride did a lot of that too. I think against BYU, what you're going to see UAB do is test the outside, test the edges, try to make BYU prove that both of, that they can set the edge, but also that they can tackle in space. And I don't think that BYU is going to be able to do that. BYU ranks number eight. 87 in tackling. They rank number 92 in rushing success rate on defense. They rank number 82 in havoc rate. Not only that, BYU, their pass defense is marginally better than their run defense, but they have one major weakness on pass defense, and that is defending tight ends. UAB happens to have one of the best receiving tight ends in the G5, this kid named Garrett Prince. Mm-hmm. BYU allowed 52 yards or more uh, to, to tight ends in four of their seven games against Power 5 competition this year. Garrett Prince averaged 20 and a half uh, receiving yards uh, per catch. He ran the third most routes on the team, but managed to lead it in targets, receptions, and touchdowns. I also think with, with BYU, you know, they're 10 and 2. They went 6 and 0 against the Pac 12 and the ACC without Zach Wilson. It was very impressive. Sataki just got his extension and everything like that. You know, a, a great story and everything like that. But I do think you have to rethink their resume a little bit when you're thinking about this handicap. Remember at the beginning of the season when they beat Utah, that was Utah with Charlie Brewer, not Cameron Rising. That was before Utah got good. They started one and two. BYU's 10-point win over Arizona State. They had a 56-game postgame win expectancy in that. So that was a bit of a fluky one. BYU barely beat uh, Wazoo the week that Nick Rolovich got ousted and probably shouldn't have. They won that game 21-19 to with a 31% postgame win expectancy. They, they won a shootout against Virginia where they outscored Virginia 21 uh, to nothing in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning by 15, but they outscored them 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter when Virginia's quarterback got hurt in the fourth quarter. And then they had to come from behind to beat USC in the finale. I I think BYU is is a bit overinflated. I I think UAB comes in under the radar. I think UAB pulls the upset in this game. Pulls the upset. Love that. Right now you can grab them probably around plus seven, plus six and a half, seeing some money come in on UAB for what it kind of you went through your your line that you can find on NBCSportsEdge.com. Your model has BYU laying just two. This is a classic kind of teams that cover, teams that don't. I feel like BYU kind of gets an inflated line every single week. BYU two and five against the number over their last seven. You look at UAB covering machines, six and one against the spread over their last seven games. I'll ride with you and take the underdog here. Um, Let's head to Mobile, Alabama. Drew was just telling me he wanted to go there for vacation coming up pretty soon. So (laughs) that's where we're going to go. The Lending Tree Bowl. And we have Liberty laying nine and a half versus Eastern Michigan. These are... um, Two teams that you could certainly make the argument. Liberty is a much better team. They're laying under a key number of 10 here in this college uh, bowl game. And a lot of the money is coming in on Liberty, 69% of the handle. So I will not be surprised to see this continuously probably get up uh, before uh, this Saturday when they play in Alabama. So how are you kind of looking at this one? Have you bet this one yet? And what's your recommendation if we haven't got involved? I have bet it. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think that line is going to be up to Liberty minus 10 or even a little bit above that by the time it gets to kick it's it's liberty minus 13 and a half right now and speaking of mobile this game's in mobile 
Malik Willis, Liberty's quarterback, that, that's the biggest question here, whether he's going to play or not. He has come out and emphatically stated that he is going to play. He has also made jokes that, that Mobile is going to be his home for the next two months because, the of course, the Senior Bowl is there in late January. So expect to see Malik Willis, and that's a big reason why I like Liberty in this game. You wouldn't be able to lay this number, I don't think, without Malik Willis, but certainly with him, you can. EMU is a team that that they're one of those sort of overinflated teams because they won some of these coin flip games that maybe they shouldn't have. They finished 7-5, and five, but with only 4.9 second order wins. So they're more of like a five and seven team than a seven and five team. Three of their wins came with post game 28% or lower win expectancy. So again, they pulled these games out that they probably shouldn't have won. Liberty's the exact opposite. They're also seven and five, but they have 8.2 second order wins. They're a better team than their record. EMU has one of the very worst run defenses in the entire nation. Malik Willis might be the most dominant rushing threat at quarterback that we've seen since Lamar Jackson. I, I think Liberty absolutely rolls in this game. Of course, the lending tree dot com the lending tree bowl is is named after lending tree uh famously renamed uh the the dollar general bowl uh famously renamed the godaddy.com bowl so uh this one's been, really had a, a a roller coaster of of a life of bowl names uh, and coming up on tomorrow's day. show drew's gonna handicap all of the names how they got here the history and how much money they paid so you definitely want to tune in by the way to bet edge tomorrow to hear yeah. through, go through all of them yes one uh one that i you know one history that i'm still digesting still trying to kind of wrap my head around is the celebration bowl which um was the successor of course to the pelican bowl and the heritage bowl uh it takes place in atlanta georgia uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And again, you know, kind of a, a very challenging handicap here. You have Fresno State laying 11 and a half to UTEP. Um, you know, these Conference USA teams getting no respect in the betting market in their bowl matchups. Uh, what do you make as a fair price here? And uh, is this another, we're going to war with a, a Conference USA or are we fading these guys? I'm going to be fading them. And I, I think I'm going to be going up against some, some sharps here because this is one where the line did weird things. And well, I, I know you know what I'm talking about because this one started out... <laughs> I think it was it was 14 and a half or so with Fresno State. And then it dropped all the way to, I, I think it's now 11 and a half. My line on this game is actually Fresno State minus 17.6. And I'll explain to you guys in a second why, why I like Fresno State, their side specifically. But first with UTEP. So this is a team that started six and one. They were a great story because they'd gone like, you know, three and 40 over the last like three years or whatever. But they finished one and four. And a big part, you parse their resume, you just sort of break it apart. They did not beat a team that was that I ranked in my ATL system inside the top 100. The best team they beat was 6-6 six and six Old Dominion. That's the only bowl-eligible team that I rank higher than UTEP. UTEP went 7-4 and four against the spread, and a part of that was just because of the perception against reality team, you know, where they came in, where they, they were thought of as, you know, the, one of the worst teams in the, in the FBS, and they turned out to be a little bit better than that. However, again, when you parse the, the resume, it starts to look a little bit different. UTEP went 7-1 and one against the spread as favorites or single-digit underdogs, whereas they went 0-3 against the spread as double-digit underdogs. Those three games were against Boise State, UAB, and UTSA. UTEP lost those three games by an average of 26.3 points per game. And then, of course, the, the reason that the, the Fresno State line initially dropped when it started at open 14 and a half and then it's dropped down to where it is now is because Kalen DeBoer, their their coach, and then their offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, they left for Washington. And then right after that, their quarterback, Jake Hayner, he comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going with you guys to Washington. And so then everyone is looking around. They're like, who does Fresno State have left on their quarterback depth chart? And it was like one scholarship kid who was like a freshman. And so that's why everyone was freaking out and was like, we have to bet on UTEP. And that's why the line dropped by three points. 
but then Hayner came out like three days ago. They, they did a tweet out of the official Fresno State Twitter feed or whatever. Hayner goes down, sits in front of the camera and apologized to all of Fresno State and said he was very, very sorry for the mistake he had made. And he's coming back to Fresno. He's, you know, he's going to play and, you know, he's coming back next season, all this different stuff. Wow. Um, I yeah, I'm not exactly sure what happened behind the scenes there, but uh, Jake Hayner clearly made a mistake. He, but but again, he's, he's coming back. Assuming he plays, and I've been given no indication to assume that he won't, I like Fresno State a lot here. This is a team that, that played with quality teams. You remember they almost beat Oregon. They beat San Diego State. They beat one other ranked team at the time. The last thing I want to say is, and, and this is something that I'm going to bring up several times during bowl season, because this season we're going to see more interim coaching staffs than we've seen in any bowl season going back several, several years. The past 15 years have taught us that we should not be afraid to back favorites with interim coaching staffs. There's been 66 bowl games with interim head coaches since 2005. The favorites in, in those games are 18, 15, and 1 against the spread. The underdogs in those games, though, are 12 and 20 against the spread. I would submit to you guys that, that when, when, when you need to actually pay attention to the interim staff, it's with the underdog, not with the favorite. Statistically, it has shown that it does not matter with the favorite. Fresno State is the much, much better team here. UTEP has struggled when they have gone up in competition. I, I don't think that Fresno State is going to have any issues without DeBoer here. I think they're going to blow UTEP's doors off on Saturday. I just need to correct the record. I misspoke. Uh, I, I gave uh, South Carolina State and Jackson State short shrift. They're competing for the Celebration Bowl. This is the New Mexico Bowl. I don't know how I forgot because New Mexico Bowl trophy, uh, one of my favorites, 20-inch piece of Zia Pueblo pottery painted with Pueblo symbols. So, uh, New Mexico Bowl, Fresno State. Let's go Bulldogs. Yeah, I love when your adjusted Thor line is um, just a huge difference from the line available. You've made me a lot of money this this season, Thor. So I think your adjusted Thor line, that's on NBC Sports Edge. Thor, before we let you go, I'm just curious. Would you rather watch the apologetic video coming in from the quarterback with Fresno State? Or would you rather watch Brian Kelly with his new quarterback and that video that we're surfacing on Twitter. <laughs> I, Brian Kelly dancing and Brian Kelly doing a Southern accent. I, I, I can't stop watching it, unfortunately. So I, 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 I would have either. to answer that. Yeah. No, I've watched it far too many times and it's honestly haunting. It's haunting my life right now. Um, okay. Just to confirm, I'd also rather watch that video. Something's going on there. I don't know what it is. Something's going on at LSU. Thor, you're the best as always. Appreciate the time. Be sure to check out the adjusted Thor line on NBCSportsEdge.com. And remember, every single Tuesday during the bowl season, he's joining us right here on Bet the Edge. We'll talk to you soon, Thor. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we are highlighting matchups between the Wizards and Kings, Grizzlies and Trailblazers, and Clippers and Jazz. If you do not have the Predictor app, download it now. You have a chance to win $50,000 by predicting what's going to happen in those NBA games. Speaking of the NBA, that's where we're headed. It's Drew for Edge of the Day. And we're going back to the association, back to the well. Looked at the slate tonight, and uh, I'm curious to kind of see where you're going. Well, thankfully, it was not the Brooklyn Nets who are without half their team who is on splashed onto the COVID list right now. Uh, and in general, it keeps resurfacing. I don't know how you're yes, going to. I mean, the game. NFL and the NBA really need to have some serious meetings and figure out no, what they're going totally. to do about these, uh, you know, these cases, because pretty clearly, um, you know, vaccinated players who are not showing symptoms, they need to have some decision about whether they're going to allow them on the court or not, because um, it's going to get messy here in the next month, as we are yeah. seeing currently play out in Brooklyn. 
The New York Knicks and the Golden State Warriors is where I'm going, however. And these fives are evaporating for the Knicks. There's a little bit of market support here for New York after seeing this open at three and a half. Got bet out to five on its way back down to four and a half. Not a lot to love about the Knicks, really, as a team. This season has been somewhat of a coming back to earth after a really, really positive 2020-21 campaign. But uh, they do have a couple of advantages here, particularly when it comes to rest. Golden State Warriors in a little bit of a tight spot playing on back-to-back. I don't know if you watched much of that game against the Pacers yesterday, but they were very lucky to squeak out a win against the Pacers team. Uh, They're very challenging um travel situation for them as well obviously they expected to fly out last night go to the airport planes not working go back to the hotel uh flying today uh and so same day travel as playing a game early tip off all of that is kind of a mess um but even more than that some of the regression that we expected from the bench players in particular on this golden state warriors team is starting to show up and the fact that steph curry is pressing a bit for to break this record uh and it's taken their offense a little bit out of rhythm Uh, is really opening the door for some of their competition. The New York Knicks, you know, to absolutely have the defensive players and the defensive, you know, the defensive scheme uh, to make it tough here for the Golden State Warriors. So I think this is going to be a pretty close contest. I do not see Golden State running away with this one. This is going to be decided relatively late in this fourth quarter. Knicks very live to pull away the upset. Ultimately, I think Golden State gets about a two, three-point win. Uh, But Knicks plus five, my favorite look on the board in the NBA tonight. Okay, so it seems like it's a little bit of a tricky slate just looking at some of the lines available on the board. And of course, with kind of COVID becoming now very real in the NBA, it'll be tough. But I will totally take the fives that are left because, as you said, right at the top of your explanation for this edge of the day, they're going away. We're looking at Knicks plus four and a half right now. Drew, you're going to kill me, but I'm going to an NFL game that I never thought I would go to for this week. It's a great it. NFL weekend. I'm sure you picked the best game on the – there's so many great games this you week. You have no idea what kind of amazing game I took for Edge of the Day. Everyone sit tight because I have just an awesome game to get you ready for. If you're excited to watch two eliminated teams, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, boy, do I have an edge for you. You're probably wondering, why am I going to this game? I looked across the board last night. I'll give out Definitely. The Absolutely, I'm wondering. Plays and props uh, throughout the rest of the week here on Bet the Edge and, of course, blitzing the board. But I think this number is going to be gone. I have no idea. I have no idea why the Jaguars are favored by three points, regardless that they're at home this time. Urban Meyer, we have seen what's happening there with his team, with his coaching staff. I have no idea why they're laying three at home. It doesn't really matter that the Texans also aren't a good team. Davis Mills, their quarterback, He's been a lot better as of late. Over his last two starts, he's thrown for 641 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He's been a lot better. I'm talking about a Jacksonville Jaguars team that put up a total of zero points last week against the Tennessee Titans. You look back to the beginning of the season when these two teams met, it was a pretty easy win for the Houston Texans. And I know you're probably thinking, wait, Should we hold off? Maybe both teams want to win for a better draft pick. Davis Mills still trying to prove himself. He's kind of really turned a corner now in the NFL. Urban Meyer, of course, probably playing for a job, but his team doesn't really want to play for him at this point. So um, I think I look at Trevor Lawrence. He's not been good. He's thrown one touchdown pass over the last six weeks. I like not only the Houston Texans to get the cover, I like them to win this game. So plus three for Houston, that's not going to be on the board a lot longer. I had to grab this. I know it's disgusting and not an exciting game, Drew, but I'm curious about your thoughts on this play. I got to take the underdog. It makes no sense why his team's favored. We're running back one of the most exciting games of the regular season. Week one, Houston goes in, coasts Jacksonville as a three-point dog and comes away with the wild 37-21 upset. 
Tell me what the biggest changes have been besides that Urban Meyer. Well, Jacksonville, that was that set the tone for their whole season. (laughs) We can't even beat these guys. Uh, We're a bunch of losers. I'm going to call all my coaches losers in the film. I mean, that whole scene in Jacksonville is deep. It's D. uh, yeah, decomposing pretty uh, pretty aggressively there. Houston, on the other hand, uh, yeah, you're right. Davis Mills, the game is starting to slow down a little bit for him. Uh, he was definitely not prime, not ready uh, for his first handful of starts. But uh, yeah, I think he can get a win. We're going to get, obviously, to a lot of better games, but this is one that I think the three is not going to be on the board even over the next few days. So I'm taking a disgusting game for my Tuesday edge of the day. Taking the Houston Texans, something I've never done all season plus the three, but for tonight's game, I'm riding with Drew with the Knicks getting five playing the Golden State Warriors. Guys, thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us here on Bet the Edge. You know the deal by now. Head to NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with all your wagers. Don't forget, subscribe, rate the podcast, and best of luck with all your bets. We'll see you right back here tomorrow here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 